0: Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com TechSF.
1: In the more than a year-long trade war between the U.S. and China, Last Thursday was one of the few good days.
2: To our top story of the morning. U.S. equity futures jumping after China's commerce ministry saying the U.S. and China have agreed to phase out the tariffs that were imposed during the trade war. Stocks rallied
1: the on the breakthrough, but the euphoria didn't last for long. Just the day after China said the two countries agreed to roll back tariffs on each other's goods, which, by the way, U.S. officials echoed too. President Trump himself came out and denied he's agreed to anything. This letdown, that they couldn't even agree on whether there was an agreement, was just one more reminder that this trade war is far from over. What hangs in the balance is, of course, the health of the entire global economy. There was about $700 billion in trade between the U.S. and China last year. But with numbers that big it's easy to forget that this is about more than just geopolitics or foreign exchange rates or corporate earnings. It's also about the lives of a lot of people around the world whose jobs and businesses depend on the two countries getting along. For them, this last year has been their own personal nightmare. A lot of sleepless nights considering an uncertain future caught in the middle of two quarreling superpowers.
3: Breaking tonight, serious punching and counterpunching taking place right now in what has become a full-fledged trade war between the U.S.
1: And- Today in the show, reporter Shelley Banjo brings us the story of one such person, an American named Michael Michelini, who sells espresso makers manufactured in China to American customers on Amazon. Michael bet his entire career on the idea of global trade on the hope that technology was making the world an open and interconnected place, only to watch all that unravel in recent months. I'm Aki Ito. You're listening to Decrypted. Stay with us.
2: Hey, Shelley, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me.
1: You know, you found a really interesting guy for today's episode. How'd you get to know him?
2: Well, the trade war was in full swing, and we started to wonder what was happening to e-commerce sellers who had kind of built these big businesses on Amazon, making stuff in China and selling them in the US. And so I wanted to find someone who could really tell us about what that was like. So tell me about him. Michael grew up in Hartford, Connecticut, to a blue-collar, working-class family. Michael had to work his way through high school, working at grocery stores. Then he worked in a machine shop with his uncle.
4: I was uh, interning in a machine shop in Connecticut, where I grew up, in Hartford, and it was getting shut down. I mean, I was, uh, there was like a smart guy, Alex, and he says, you know, everything is going overseas. I don't know what we're going to do here.
2: And uh, he went to New Jersey for college and ended up getting a job on Wall Street in New York working for Deutsche Bank. But, you know, it was, Wall Street wasn't necessarily for him. And he kind of, for fun, starts this bartending supplies store called NewYorkBarStore.com where he mm-hmm. would sell things like um, cocktail shakers and beer pong accessories on eBay.
4: <laughs> I was really f- having a lot of trouble trying to buy from China While I was on Wall Street, I I remember being on Skype at like 10, 11 p.m. on my fifth floor walk up. But, you know, we were just felt like a huge disadvantage. I had to wait like a a week or two weeks for a sample to come. You know, they spoke English, but I just didn't understand.
2: So in March 2007, right before uh, the financial crisis, he decided to quit his job. Then he decides, you know what, I'm going to go to China and kind of find those factories that are making these beer pongs, accessories and bar supplies and kind of figure out how to turbocharge that business.
4: So I just felt like I needed to go there because I felt like all of the knowledge and information is getting sent there. Everybody was like, yeah, just let all of our technology, let all of our money, just send it all to China. We'll just outsource everything. So this
1: is Right before the financial crisis, I remember it was a really different time back then. You know, the consensus in Washington was very pro-free trade, uh, generally receptive towards China. And it was
2: just a different mood. That's right. China was opening up to Western businesses. There was this general feeling that China was the future. But Michael felt a lot of resistance when he justified this move to his family. I spoke to Michael's uncle, Gary Garneau. Michael had worked with Gary in a machine shop in Hartford. Gary now lives in Florida, and he's unemployed.
3: I knew America was dying, you know. We were losing all our industry. China was was, was, was heading up, you know. They're on an upswing, you know. and Here's what was happening in that, during that time, in my opinion. We were shutting down factories all over the place, and we were sinking hundreds of billions of dollars into China.
2: What was your first thought when when Michael told you that he was going to move to China
3: I was kind of hating losing him, really. I didn't want to see him leave. But I figured he knew what he was doing. He's a pretty smart guy, and he likes to sell stuff. And I guess China's the place to go. He told me they to got a factory in China. I,
4: I don't fit in with the rest of the family. <laughs> they're not so supportive, honestly. <laughs> I, uh, my mom cried about it, but they just feel like they're much more pa- patriotic than I am. Uh, I'm not like anti-American I'm just more people are humans I mean all these borders just don't make sense to me
1: okay so Michael gets
2: to China what does he do there so Michael immediately starts to hustle. He's dabbling in and out of e-commerce. He meets his wife, who's Chinese. He sets up a consulting company that focuses on cross-border trade. And then he starts a business manufacturing old-school Italian espresso coffee pots. These are made in a factory in China, and then he sells them on Amazon to U.S. customers. And when is this? So this is right around the time that uh, Donald Trump gets elected.
3: We can't continue to allow... China to rape our country. And that's what they're doing. It's the greatest
1: theft. And of course, Trump campaigned on on very anti-China,
2: anti-trade rhetoric. Right. And among the voters who voted for Trump was Michael's own uncle, Gary, who, you know, saw jobs moving from his hometown of Hartford to China, and he agreed with Trump.
3: We got to start protecting America. Don is right. We got to bring back that industry. It's gonna, it's gonna bite us in the butt. You know,
2: it's. Gone. So Trump's presidency starts in 2017. That's right. And at first, Trump and President Xi Jinping of China are really getting along. They share chocolate cake. They visit each other's countries, and they make this plan that they're going to resolve the whole trade difference in 100 days. But near the end of 2018, the US starts implementing tariffs on steel and solar panels. These are two major industries that China is really proud of. And so China hits back and puts tariffs on cars and agricultural goods from the U.S.
0: What does this do? We're now seeing the United States made a move and now overnight
2: China has made a move. And the trade war keeps escalating. Businesses are scrambling to try to figure out what to do next.
3: I don't want to use the word because it's a highly respected show, but they are taking advantage of us. Okay, I'll use a different set of words. They are taking...
2: And what's Michael up to during this time? About a year and a half into Trump's presidency, Michael, his wife, and his two kids decide to leave China. They end up settling down in Thailand.
4: I mean, I could feel that China wasn't welcoming foreigners anymore, honestly. I could feel it even then. I'll say, you know, I'm from the U.S. And then I'll say, do you, like, do you still like Americans? <laughs> and, you know, I'm just afraid to refresh the news sometimes, especially when I'm inside of mainland China, because... You never know.
2: They decided that they no longer actually had to be in China to run the coffee pot business. And things just uh, weren't as comfortable anymore for Michael to be uh, an American in China. And he decides that this would kind of hedge his bets against China, kind of create another life in, in a different country.
1: We'll
0: be right back. OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.
1: Okay, so before the break, Shelley, you walked us through the worsening relationship between the U.S. and China in 2017 and 2018. And the toll that takes on Michael, that gets us to the beginning of 2019,
2: Well, earlier this year, it seemed like, again, we were getting close to another deal. But then March came, and then April came, and there was still no deal. And then in May, Trump rips off a tweet, of course, saying that progress is going slowly and China is reneging on earlier promises. So Trump's had it at this point, and he threatens to increase tariffs up to 25%. The U.S. decides to ban American companies from doing business with Huawei, China's biggest tech company, and the trade war kind of explodes. Quick check of
1: the market. You'll see the Dow is plunging. It's a response to the escalating stakes in this U.S. trade war with China. Just yeah, this is when things are looking really bad.
4: I think a lot of the sellers are like like me. We're just still waiting. To, we're still kind of in shock or we're still thinking maybe there seems like there's still this negotiation, always this and that thing. and. Um, I feel like we're all still kind of waiting.
2: So this is when I met Michael. It was right around the time of the G20 summit in Japan last summer when Trump and she were about to meet in person. And Michael and probably everyone else around the world was on pins and needles to see what would happen. And the much-anticipated meeting between the Chinese and U.S. presidents is just a few hours away at the G20. Of course, the
4: rest- And i never even really paid attention to G20. I've heard of it, but obviously this year was more important. So yeah, I was definitely like, Saturday morning, they will be meeting. And it was Japanese time, I remember it was Osaka, so I'm like, it's a little bit ahead of, uh, you know, where I was in Thailand. So, I'm, you know, of course, I'm like kind of refreshing the news, waiting for the update of this meeting.
2: The U.S. and China agree to restart trade talks, but it's certainly not a done deal. And at this point, Michael needs to make a decision about Christmas. Christmas is super important because it's when he brings in 40% of his sales and he's ordering goods from a factory in China. It takes a few months to make the coffee pots and then ship them all the way to the U.S., Other Amazon sellers are ordering less stuff, but Michael holds off. He ends up taking a big gamble. He decides not to change his coffee pot order, and he figures he'll just eat the cost of whatever tariffs might hit him.
4: What is the other option? Like, can I make it in America? Um, From what I saw involved in making these products, I don't think I could make it in America. I guess I could fly there try to teach somebody how to do like all of this again but basically there's no I feel like there's no other option so what that means is everybody in my market is buying this from China maybe in the long term somebody will win that could beat me by making it somewhere else but nobody's gonna be able to make it somewhere else before, at least for Christmas maybe so I think you gotta stay in the game if you run a stock you're basically giving up
2: so um, what do you think is going to happen in six months?
4: I think Donald Trump is probably also realizing he's going to shoot himself in the foot. I, I do feel like China, American economy is based on the importing cheap Chinese goods. I, I feel safe for Christmas. I don't think he's going to screw with, I don't think he's going to mess with Christmas. I think he's going to just keep extending this and, and uh, hope he doesn't, because he wants to get reelected.
2: So what happens next? And then all of a sudden on August 1st,
0: welcome back to some dramatic breaking news on tariffs.
2: Trump starts tweeting again about more tariffs. And Mm -hmm. these are the tariffs that really worry people because they're on consumer goods like electronics and clothes and things that are really going to hit retailers and consumers where they hurt right before Christmas.
1: Right. People start talking about Trump destroying Christmas exactly (laughs) so this is when things are starting to look really bad
2: yeah and it gets even worse when the u.s declares china a currency manipulator which is kind of an official way to accuse a country of cheating on trade so i start thinking about michael and i give him a call because i'm wondering what michael's thinking at this time Mm -hmm. so turns out michael has big news he decides you know this te- these tensions and this back and forth is just really getting too much for him. And he decides to actually sell the coffee pot business uh, to a company that kind of rolls up other Amazon businesses and uh, join that company. So it kind of spreads out his risk. Wow. I, I can't believe he sold his business because of the trade war. You know, I don't think it was just the trade war, but I think he can kind of feel these growing tensions uh, between the U.S. and China that, you know, he doesn't want to build and keep his whole life uh, tied to China.
4: The bad thing about America is we can't plan long term. We don't know how long Donald Trump will stay. You know, um, the policies just change. Like Trump comes in and reverses what Obama, some things Obama did. And then maybe the next person comes in and changes what Trump did. You know, I think even China's waiting it out. You know, I think China can wait until the next president.
2: So in September, the tariffs that Trump threatened over the summer come into effect. These are tariffs on consumer goods like footwear, TVs, and of course, home goods. And does this include coffee pots? It does. So even though Michael sold the business to a fund, now that he works for the fund, he's still keeping tabs on the business. How much does that hurt, Michael? The coffee pots go for about $20 to $25 on Amazon, and Michael makes $7 on each pot. So this new tariff eats into the business, but it doesn't wipe out the margin altogether. So um, did you raise your prices on the coffee pots?
4: We haven't raised yet, but we... It's a scary thing, but we've we've taken a hit so far.
2: And have other, have competitors raised their prices?
4: It seems to stay about stable, honestly.
2: Wow, so everybody's kind of...
4: Just absorbing, yeah.
2: Holding their breath.
1: So, Shelly, there have been so many developments to keep track of with this
2: trade war. I'm sure you've been very busy. What's the latest? It changes day by day. To make it more manageable, the U.S. and China have agreed to break up the trade deal into phases. Phase one actually looks to be gaining some traction.
1: And what's Michael up to?
2: Michael's done watching the news. He's really struggling with this roller coaster of tariffs. And frankly, he just seems really down.
4: I'd rather know I'm gonna to have to pay twenty five percent more or fifty percent more and then just be done with it. It's like it's kinda of like the boyfriend, girlfriend thing where you break up and you get back together like multiple times. Like for me, I just yeah, I want closure. I just want to know am I gonna to have to pay a lot more.
2: You know, how do you manage the anxiety while you're searching for these opportunities?
4: <laughs> <Yeah>. Meditation. <laughs> um, remembering that it's not just me that everybody's facing this, whether you're a small individual seller or a multi-million dollar seller I mean realizing I'm 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 flexible I adapt I adapt so I and I believe I'm more willing to take risks I'm more willing to do what it takes to stay in the game
1: but he doesn't want to move all his manufacturing away from China altogether
2: For the coffee pot business, it's just impossible. The only place in the world at the moment that makes those coffee pots are in China. So he did look into the U.S. You know, Uncle Gary has said to Michael, why can't you make your products in the U.S.? And Michael's tried to explain to him that that, um, you know, factories don't make those coffee pots in the U.S. uh, or in Southeast Asia or really anywhere else. And the trade deal, do you think that will help? That will help bring more jobs back to the U.S.?
3: We have to do something, man, because all the products are made over there, and it's not the American people's fault, it's it's these corporations. But Michael
2: said, for example, that he can't make his coffee pots in America, but nowhere in America he couldn't even find a factory to make them. Well,
3: because they're all gone, he got moved out. It's it's We've lost a lot of our capacity. It's very it's disheartening, you know?
2: So what do in you do? Opinion? Like, let's say you're Michael and you want to keep your business growing, and you, you know, he said to me, I would love to make these coffee pots in the United States. Like, what do you do if you're him?
3: We're in a precarious situation, man. We really are. I I agree with you, and I agree with Mike. It's sad. You know? There's no simple solutions. There isn't. I think uh, the politicians in Washington, these. Ridiculous people, puppets that they have in Washington, uh, they don't understand the value of jobs. They let all these jobs leave the country. People have to have jobs. What would you do without a job, man? What would I do without a job? We have to have jobs.
2: So, Shelley, what did Michael end up doing about the coffee pots? It took a lot of agonizing on Michael's part, but in the end, he decided to raise prices to recoup some of the costs of the tariffs, and so did a lot of his competitors. You
1: know, I'm sure this whole ordeal over the last year or so has been so stressful for
2: him. What does he make of all of this now? Well, Michael seems a bit lost. You know, he moved to China for the promise of this globalized world and that world started to deliver at first it brought him a lot of good things his business his wife his family and now it's threatened what do you think is the general sense that you have now compared to like five years ago when you were living in china and really believing in this more of a globalized world
4: Yeah, it's really, I guess, it's sad to me. I mean, I think with internet and technology, there's a huge opportunity for people from all different parts of the world to be able to communicate with each other and work with each other. But it just seems like it's going backwards as far as that. And I thought five, ten years ago, it was going to be more and more open. But the governments are just trying to put walls up, barriers up. I mean, the reason I came here was to try to learn and understand this rather than just put the wall up and not know anything that's happening here like i wanted to come here to understand it and i have an amazing chinese wife and i have two children that speak english and chinese and are going to be educated to learn the both sides and they're going to be better people than me
1: Shelly Banjo, thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks, Aki. Decrypted is hosted by me, Aki Ito. Sean Wen is our executive producer. Ethan Brooks makes the show today, and Alistair Barra was our story editor. Joe Lenartine, Matt Burley, and Dax Bruce assisted with recordings. Francesca Levy is the head of Bloomberg Podcasts. We'll see you next week.